taken a tragedy and turned it into something beautiful. We'll always miss those guys, but we have great memories of them. There's a, a sort of reverence whenever you talk about them, but I think we're getting to the point now where we just celebrate them, and we celebrate and we honor what they represent. Third down and a long four, short five, out of the gun, rising, looks and runs, flips it ahead, Covey to the end zone, touchdown! Oh, creativity! Cooper Lagarde takes the knee, and folks, that is it. Utah State is your 2021 Mountain Division champions. They've come to Albuquerque. They've blown out the Lobos 35 to 10. And with that win, Utah State has cemented a spot in the Mountain West Conference Championship game in Carson, California, coming up next week against San Diego State for a right to win a conference championship. God has put us on an amazing journey since I got here in December. Uh, when I got ready to get on that plane and realize the guys weren't going to play the last game i really didn't know what i was stepping into and i just i just said man you know it's in your hands that's where you want me to be i trust that's where you want me to be you gotta you got a plan in place and um man he's just every step of the way we've gotten closer and closer all the things of the turmoil of, of the transition man not one not one time not one time all year since I got the job, since we started you know, really off-season work in January, not one time has it come up. We just moved forward and got closer and closer, and guys balled in more and more, and leadership stepped up in every area, and, man, just guys just blessed it. Second and goal from the one. They go to Algier again. Touchdown, BYU. And that is his 18th rushing touchdown on the season. Extra point is good. It is 27-17. Every opponent, we expect to get their best shot. We're a ranked team, and so it's not like we're hiding from anybody. Everybody knows what we're about. They see us on film. The goal here is to focus on what we see on film. That's great athleticism, great talent, and a team that has a lot to play for, and so we're expecting their best shot. We need to make sure that they get ours as well. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there on this Saturday morning. I'm Jake Hatch, your host here, and obviously hope you guys are having a wonderful day. A little bit uh, of a gloomy day here along the Wasatch Front. The sun trying to poke through the smog and clouds, and hopefully it clears up a little later on. But got a lot of football and basketball to talk about. Uh, Lee Corso has just put on Brutus the Buckeyes' head at the big house. Uh, We've, of course, got the game uh, playing out here momentarily between uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Rivalry weekend. It's kind of the weird thing about this is we have not had a traditional rivalry weekend here along the Wasatch Front for many, many years uh, just due to Utah and BYU now being in different conferences. But still at the same time, oh, wow, we got a little brouhaha uh, going on between Florida and Florida State. All right. Well, that's what a rivalry is all about. So, uh, Jeff, behind the glass, producing for us once again this week. I am in studio here in Salt Lake City. Jeff, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, I know you've been a busy man. you got a lot of jazz games you've been covering last night. We're going to talk about the jazz here in a minute. Uh, you got a rematch tonight between the jazz and the Pelicans. Kind of a funny thing, a home back-to-back against the same exact team. I, you don't see this very often. I don't know how I feel as far as are they going to be pumped up to get a rematch because they lost in dramatically bad fashion last night, or are they going to be in their heads because of what happened? 
Yeah. Uh, and that, that's the thing about it. It's going to be an interesting thing to see how they respond to last night's disappointment. Uh, I'm not going to lie. When Donovan hit that three that ultimately was overturned, I, I tweeted out, night, night, Pelicans, because I was like, this game's over. And, of course, me as a producer, I'm like, oh, that's such a great call. I can't wait to use that like and later for exist. just different production elements. And <laughs> yeah. then it's like, and it's chalked off. And yeah. I'm like, Yep, yep. The, the welcome to the producer life right there. That's a little bit of just an insight yeah, of how, how we operate. It's funny that you live oh, in yeah. the world of not not as a fan as, okay, what this sounds really good, mm-hmm. so I can use it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's the thing about this. Like People, pulling back the curtain a little bit, and this is I not anticipate starting the show like this, but pulling back the curtain a little bit, we as in sports radio, we look for storylines. We're looking for good audio. We want to generate emotion. And when we have I'm David's call last night on that 3 was probably absolutely fantastic. Oh, it was phenomenal. And you're just like, "Yes, this is great." And then they're we're going to Secaucus and you're like, "No, no, 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 no. Not again. No. Not again." <laughs> it's it, and it, it's taken away because it's waved off. They said the foul came before the 3 and so be it. But yeah, it, it's one of those things as a producer you're like, Great. Now I have a play that doesn't count, and I can't use that at all. So welcome to the life of a sports radio producer in, in a nutshell. It's one of those things. But uh, once again, hope you all are doing great out there. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday. A lot of football to play out today. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll be keeping you updated throughout the day on scores from around the country. Looking forward to all of that. Florida with an interim head coach, uh, obviously with Dan Mullen being fired last week. So a lot going on down there in Gainesville. We're going to be having a new coach, and there's a lot of coaching spots open. That's the crazy thing about it. And a lot of coaches who have decided that moving is not in their best interest, reportedly. We'll talk about all that ahead on today's show. But as we do typically here on the Saturday show, let's get things fired up with What's the Big Deal? Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I love that open. It's just perfect. It's like the epitome of what it should be. But anyways, what's the big deal? How we start off each Saturday show is the big topics of the day. And let's start off with the Utah Jazz uh, a disappointing loss last night, no doubt about it. Uh, it felt like this is a game that the Jazz, for stretches of the game, they dominated, they took it over. They're like, okay, they're going to run away from these guys. And then they would just go flat, and it was it, it was infuriating. I think it's probably the correct term about this, is that Jazz just repeatedly allowed a four-win team to hang around, make plays, and Donovan, as I mentioned a little earlier on, makes a big three that's waved off. Rudy Gobert goes one of two from the free throw line. Then suddenly, all hell broke loose, it felt like, where the Pelicans come down, and Devontae Graham, i got to give him credit, that three that he hit to put them up one, ultimately proved to be the game winner, was a huge shot in that moment. Off balance, with his momentum going against him, he hits that three, and the Pelicans get their fifth win of the year, beating the Jazz on their home court. That is the fourth loss in the last six home games for Utah. And i, I got to say, watching this Utah Jazz team, I refuse to push the panic button because it is still November. I know it's late November. It's almost December. I Trust me, I, I, a lot of people on my Twitter feed last night were saying, well, they got to blow this up. they got to figure something out. Well, they do have to figure something out, but I 
don't want to overreact to this because the Utah Jazz, are they sleepwalking through some of these games and turning it on in the final five minutes and winning some of them and in this case losing some of them? Yes, they are. But uh, we're going to play uh, Quinn Snyder's uh, post-game press conference here in a little while, and uh, that's about as fired up as you're going to hear uh, Quinn Snyder. If you heard it last night or if you listened to it in podcast version, I know Jeff does a good job getting that stuff up on our podcast feeds. Quinn Snyder was as fired up as you're ever going to hear him. And he's not a guy who's going to get out there and rant and rave like a lunatic. That's not Quinn, Snyder, Quinn Snyder's style. That's just not how he operates as a head coach. But he will speak directly and firmly about what he expects of his team. And he expects a much better effort when they uh, take on the Pelicans tonight once again. Uh, the thing about this team with Utah right now is they're not locked in. And I don't know how to say other than that. It just doesn't seem like this is a team that has got its focus where it needs to be. Uh, I was listening to Postcast on Locked On Jazz with David Locke. He does those after every Jazz game. And he was talking about the fact that this team, year to year, teams change. And obviously the Utah Jazz, for the most part, ran things back. They did add some additions in the, with Rudy Gay as well as Hassan Whiteside. But this is a Utah Jazz team that I think a lot of people expected, oh, well, Everything was great last year. They're just going to carry it over and do it again this year. That's not how the NBA operates. Uh, Coaching staffs, these scouting departments, they have loads and loads of film. They're going to watch for it, find every deficiency you have on your team, and they're going to come out and attack it. And the thing about the Utah Jazz right now is they have obviously uh, got teams scouting them. They've also scouted teams in their own right. But it just seems like from portions of the games we have seen recently, the Utah Jazz are just kind of going through the motions and playing hero ball, playing one-on-one rather than playing with the pass. It's one of the Quinn Snyder's favorite terms. You're going to hear him talk about that. They're not playing the way that we saw last year. I felt like, and I feel like this right now, watching the Jazz so far this season, they have played now 19 games, so they're almost a quarter of the way through the season. It feels like this Jazz team is just getting through games versus last year where it seemed like every game they were locked in, they were playing what I described as sublime basketball. I loved watching the Utah Jazz operate last year. It was so much fun to watch them play the way that they did last season. And so far this year, you've seen that... uh, You've seen that type of basketball in spurts and stops, but you have not seen it for a full 48 minutes. You've not seen an entire game effort, it feels like, from the Utah Jazz this season. I don't know what it's going to take for them to lock in and do that. Maybe they're just going to scuffle through this regular season, figuring, well, all we're really caring about right now is getting the postseason and proving ourselves there, but you cannot afford to have losses like this against New Orleans. This is a game, speaking of the New Orleans Pelicans, that you should go out in the first half, bury this team, and it should be over. Bojan Bogdanovich last night, 16 of his 23 points in the first quarter, you felt like, okay, if he keeps this up, he could go for 40-plus tonight. Well, after the first quarter, he only scores nine more points. I don't know why they went away from him, why he stopped being aggressive. I don't know what the reasoning was there, but it just feels like, The Jazz have not put together a full game effort on either side of the basketball. Their metrics, they do measure out pretty well. They're still one of the top-rated offenses in the country last night, in the country, in in the league. They're also playing very well defensively. Last night, you hold New Orleans to 98 points. That's what you're supposed to do defensively. You're supposed to keep them to about a point of possession. The problem is you only scored 97 points of your own, and that is where I think the Utah Jazz, we just need to see them play more cohesively see them play as more of a of a team just play together 
I think if they can figure out what is going on and decide well and figure out what's going on. Okay, I think they understand what's going on. I think it's just a matter of them locking in mentally and just playing every game as if it is a game that they need to win. You cannot afford to have losses like we saw the Magic a couple weeks ago on a Sunday night where it just felt like the Jazz were in Orlando on the back end of a three-game road trip. We're like, yeah, whatever. But they, they put, turned it on towards the end of that game, almost won it. They nearly uh, eked one out there in Orlando. Last night, I felt like they turned it on with about four minutes to go. They played the style of basketball that I have seen for the last two to three years under Quinn Snyder that I, I described it as sublime. It's just one of those things where they just go all the way around the the horn. They're passing the ball. They're playing with the pass, and they're doing the job that they're supposed to do, and they're playing basketball that is highly entertaining and fun to watch. But then all of a sudden it goes away. Uh, and last night, the final possession there, I don't understand what Donovan Mitchell was th- Okay, I understand what he was thinking. I don't understand why he took that shot. He went to the rim, didn't have much of an opportunity. Maybe I'd have to go back and watch the film again and see. Maybe he didn't have it, a, a nice outlet to pass it out, but he tries to just hurl up a shot, and it's like, what are you doing? And it allows New Orleans to get on the break, and Devontae Graham comes down the court, as I mentioned, momentum going against him, and he nails a huge three-pointer, which ultimately gives New Orleans the win. So you got to give credit to New Orleans. They hung in this game. That's a team that 4-16 and 16 going into last night's game, they had not won a game in the clutch. David Locke was very quick to point this out. This is a team, speaking of New Orleans, in clutch play so far this year, they had not made a three-pointer. They had not won a game in clutch play this year. Granted, they have not played a lot of games in the clutch. Let's be clear about that. The final five minutes of a game where it's close enough that you can win. But that was the first win they got. So you got to give New Orleans credit for hanging in there. I, but Jeff said it earlier, what are we going to see tonight when these two teams rematch? Are the Jazz going to come out and say, okay, last night was an anomaly, we're crushing these fools, or are they going to have more of the same and just kind of go through the motions? I think Donovan said something really interesting last night where he said he doesn't know if they've played a full 48-minute game that, the entire yeah. season, and I think that's very telling as far as keeping up focus, intensity, mm-hmm. um, and just the fact that it's really more mental than anything right now. Yeah, we're almost at the quarter pole of the season. Tonight's game will be, be their 20th game of the year, and that's the quarter pole for all intents and purposes. They'll play the 82 game, so, but the quarter pole is here. You're a quarter of the way through this season, and there are some very concerning signs for this Utah Jazz team. And you're right. I did hear Donovan say that. He felt like maybe the Atlanta game. He said maybe. But he's right. We have not seen a full 48-minute performance from this Utah Jazz team. And it's it's frustrating. I, I completely understand why Utah Jazz fans would be frustrated watching this team right now. I saw a number of you on my timeline last night on social media uh, talking about it. And it, it's just one of those things that you watch this team play, and when they decide to play cohesively play with the pass, play together as a team, they are one of the best teams in the league. They're still up there. The problem is they're not playing like that game in and game out and playing like that for an entire 48-minute span. And that's the concern uh, that the Jazz have right now. And we'll see. But we'll have more on this here in a little bit. Let's switch over and talk a little college football for a moment here. Uh, nice part is congratulations to both Utah as well as Utah State. They will both be playing for a conference championship next weekend. The University of Utah taking care of business against uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, 28-3. to 
And this is a game that I felt like Utah did what they needed to do. Did they have some concerning things in this game? Absolutely. Allowing a kick return for a touchdown, special teams issues, return for Utah, it, it's been a season-long issue. They have got to figure something out, and it's probably too late at this point to really guarantee that they're going to figure things out special teams-wise. You seem, Seemingly every game I say, well, that reared its ugly head, and this reared its ugly head needs to get corrected, and then something else pops up special teams-wise. They've got to figure that out because they also had an interception early on in this game that gave Colorado a little bit of a, a little bit of juice. But Utah did what they had to do. Cameron Rising passing 179 yards, three touchdowns against one interception, getting uh, Utah to their 28 points. Tavion Thomas finishes the game 25 carries for 142 yards. He took the week off last week, added a touchdown on the ground, uh, capping the scoring for Utah in this one. But this is a game where I felt like Utah, they just needed to get through it. And that's what they did. They, they did their job, and they got the win. It didn't affect anything with regards to the Pac-12 title game next week. They are still waiting to find out who they will play. Washington State last night. And, Jeff, did you see Washington State storming the field in Seattle? I did. <laughs> that, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think moving forward here that that's going to cause a little bit of bad blood there in, in, that, in that rivalry. The Apple Cup is going to have a, a little more juice to it next time. Oh, of course. Like, when you rush your opponent's home field, man, that – you're gonna the have... disrespect is real. <laughs> it's awesome though. At the same time, I was laughing to myself watching that play out. But nonetheless, so Washington State or Oregon are the two teams that Utah could face, and it all comes down to: Do we know what they're calling the Oregon Oregon State rivalry anymore? It used to be the Civil War, but they got rid of that allegedly. I have no idea. The fight of the beavers versus ducks. I don't like fight of the the wildlife. Well, I don't know. What Lundy and I, uh, Lundy's brought this up. Uh, Alex Lumberg, who's been my co-host on the Saturday show. Hope you're doing well, Lundy, out there. If you're listening, he actually brought up a very good point. I think he saw it somewhere else. This should be called the battle for the platypus. This is the perfect. It is the perfect. Come on, beavers, ducks, meet right in the middle. The platypus. <sighs> Why does it not surprise me that someone like Alex was able to come up with something that amazing? And I, Alex might have come up with it himself. I think I'm trying to think if I saw saw it somewhere that he he mentioned somebody had mentioned it. We're calling it the battle for the platypus here on the Saturday show. And oh, absolutely! So, I'm 100 behind that. Pending how the battle for the platypus goes tonight, we will find out who Utah plays in Las Vegas next Friday. If Oregon wins, it'll be a rematch between the Ducks and the Utes down there at Allegiant Stadium. Should Oregon State upset Oregon? Washington State, one of the more remarkable stories in college football this year. They would be facing Utah down there in the Pac-12 title game. It'd be a rematch as well, but one that lacks a lot of juice because this Washington State team is 7-5. and They fired their coach midway through this year due to a COVID-19 dispute between him and the administration up there in the state of Washington. The credit needs to go to Washington State for turning things around. Jake Dickert, their interim head coach, the former defensive coordinator, he's done a good job rallying that team, but all depending on how Oregon and Oregon State play out tonight, we will see who Utah plays. I am of the opinion, though, it doesn't matter who Utah plays down there at Allegiant Stadium. The way Utah's playing right now, the way they played against Oregon uh, two week, two Saturdays ago, this is a team that is very much on their way to the Rose Bowl, in my opinion. Uh, they are playing lights out. They're absolutely rocking and rolling. And don't let yesterday's performance, I think, uh, jade your opinion of how they'll play down there in Allegiant. I felt like yesterday was a game that they just we got to get through this. We can't afford to lose. We got to do enough to win, but we we just need to get through this game, and then we can prepare in earnest for that matchup down there at Allegiant Stadium. 
Also, credit needs to go to Utah State. They went to New Mexico an early start, 11 a.m. here along the Wasatch Front down there in Albuquerque, and they rocked and rolled their way to a, a Mountain West championship berth themselves, beating the Lobos 35-10. to Logan Bonner was absolutely incredible in this game, 16 of 23 passing, 312 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, Derek Wright pulling in two of those touchdowns. His long on the day was a long pass on the day, a 76-yard jaunt to the end zone in the second quarter. I felt like Utah State did exactly what you wanted to see them do, and now they will get a date with San Diego State down there in Carson, California next Saturday uh, as they will play for the Mountain West Championship. Huge showdown for Utah State. What a story they have been. 9-3 and three on the season. Utah also 9-3. and three. BYU, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, all, sitting at 9-2, and two, going for a 10th win tonight in uh, L.A. against the USC Trojans. There is a lot of good football in this state, and the fun part is next weekend we could be celebrating at least two of these teams, obviously BYU being an independent. Two of these teams could be celebrating Mountain West and Pac-12 championships, and I would love nothing more than to see the hardware. Just imagine, Utah State, they're over under, if I, if I recall correctly, was three or three and a half at most of the sports books before this season, and now they're playing San Diego State down there in Carson for the right to hoist the Mountain West Conference Championship what a story it has been for Blake Anderson and his staff. You heard it in the open when we came in, him talking about the fact that guys have just believed from the day that he got to Logan last winter. He's done a marvelous job. And I know this may sound um, hasty in saying this, but Utah State's going to have to be very careful because with how the conference, not the college, the, the college football, re, uh, the reorganize, reorganization of the coaching chairs around the sport. I think there may be some athletic directors who look at what Blake Anderson did in just one season in Logan and may think, hey, what if he can do that here for us? I'm not saying that Utah State's going to lose him per se, but there are going to be programs out there as we continue to see the chair shuffle, guys get fired, guys get hired, and just the overall domino effect of all of that. It would not surprise me to see Utah State kick the tires on a guy like Blake Anderson. I also see them kicking the tires on Kalani Sitake. There's been a lot of talk about him and his success at BYU, and for very good reason. Nine, so we have two 9-3 teams right now with the regular seasons completed. We also have a 9-2 team who's ranked number 13 in the country going for a 10th win tonight. There's been a lot of winning around the state this season. It's been a ton of fun to cover, and congratulations to all three teams. All right. We'll have more in a moment. I want you guys to hear from Quinn Snyder. We're also going to hear from Kyle Whittingham. Uh, We'll also check in, hopefully, down there in Los Angeles. Ryan Abraham joined DJ and PK. Actually joined PK yesterday. DJ was off. Uh, to preview the game between the the, U, not the Utes and the Trojans, the Cougars and the Trojans down there at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. We'll get to all of that. Saki upcoming. We've got our, uh, obviously, our staple of technical fouls. And, of course, the Saturday show, be remiss if we did not mention this, is brought to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. They've got everything. It's where the pros go for all the tools, everything that they need to do their job the right way. Mountainland Supply is up and down the Wasatch Front, even in the Wyoming and Nevada areas now. They are just continuing to expand and do great things. You can find a location near you at mountainland.com. Appreciate Mountainland Supply being the title sponsor of the Saturday show. More in a moment. You're listening to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.
I'm just going to let this breathe for a minute. Well, so, I think it's a different version because I it started going. I'm just like, wait, where's where's the sound? It's, it's usually, it must be an acoustic version or something. It's a little bit of a stripped down version. Anyways, welcome back to the Saturday show here on The Zone. Jake uh, Hatch along with Jeff uh, behind the glass. And Jeff, your musical tastes make me chuckle because you're a decade younger than me. But this is the music that I like grew up with if that makes sense well that's the thing when i go to some of these shows now uh-huh. i'm going after they're past their prime and i'm yeah. like man i wish i was born earlier and i could be <laughs> seeing these people in these small venues uh-huh. and you know instead of like don't get me wrong it's great to see them no matter what but like sure. it there's something about being able to see these bands in their heyday and i'm yeah that just pretty much doesn't happen for me because all the music i listen to for the most part is 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 after the fact uh, hey, I, I got to give you credit. Solid choices all the way around. You've done a good job. You've been producing the last two weeks for us here, so thank you for doing that. Uh, one thing uh, we're going to get to here on the Saturday show, we're going to hear from Quinn Snyder here momentarily, but I uh, wanted to mention one thing. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan playing right now. Very impressive opening drive for Michigan. And what did Ohio State just do? Oh, I, okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, that was not ideal. Uh, so... Michigan obviously trying to get the monkey off their back. Uh, you want to talk about domination in a rivalry series. Talk about Ohio State and their dominance over Michigan over the past decade or so. It's been just as lopsided as BYU-Utah was until BYU got that win earlier this season. And uh, it feels good when you finally get that monkey off your back. And Michigan looking good early on. The problem is we're going to finally see the first drive here for Ohio State upcoming they have got to get stopped, speaking of Michigan. This Ohio State team is lights out on offense. C.J. Stroud, very much a Heisman contender. He has been very, very good this season. Oh, my gosh. Well, not a good start for Ohio State there. That was a mishandled snap there. But anyways, we'll keep you updated on that score. It's 7-0 right now for Michigan. All right, we were talking about the struggles of uh, of the Utah Jazz in our first segment, and they are numerous. Uh, Quinn Snyder, of course, being the head coach, he is well aware of all of it. He wants nothing more than to get it fixed because we all know that you're just judged, simply put, on wins and losses. That's what's all that matters in the NBA is W's, and you don't want to take as many L's as the Utah Jazz have so far this season. We're going to let you hear now from Quinn Snyder, who, as I mentioned also, he's about as fired up as you're ever going to hear him. This is not a coach. This is not a Jerry Sloan where he's going to rant and rave like a lunatic. He is calm, cooled, and measured, but he's very to the point, and he lays it out very clearly for his team because if you hear this, well, you'll hear it. You're going to hear him. He's speaking directly to his team. So here you go. Quinn Snyder speaking to the media last night after the Jazz loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. 17 assists on 38 baskets or so tonight. It seemed like ball movement was kind of visual. Yeah, you know, after the last game, I think – our whole team felt good about the way the ball moved. Um, and, you know, your anticipation is that that continues to happen. It, it didn't. Um, and it impacts our whole team. You know, when I've said it before the game, you know, when we don't just make an easy pass, um, whether it be to change sides, to get off it, and just trust each other. Um, it's harder for us, you know, it's harder on a lot of levels. Last three games, ball's got to move. We got to play with the pass. 
last three games have kind of come down to these close possessions. And mm-hmm. do, do you just get, does it become to a point where you just kind of default to waiting for the game to get close before it picks up or? or? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think this was a very different game than the Oklahoma City game. You know, I think the Oklahoma City game, we were efficient and we just didn't make shots. Um, you know, tonight, you know, was a game that was filled with mistakes. Uh, you know, when we had opportunities to extend the lead, we weren't able to do that for a variety of reasons, whether um, we had breakdowns defensively or, you know, they were playing out of turnovers or, as we said before, um, you know, shots where we can get a better shot. Um, and then we, you know, then we find ourselves behind and we make a push to get back in front and, uh, you know, aren't able to close where we've had, you know, whether it be, you know, a number of games where we've been able, you know, to then take the lead and keep it. And obviously that didn't happen tonight. It went the other way. Is it the ball movement that's most concerning or kind of what aspect of the game that's most concerning? You know, I, I, I think our, our, our focus and like intensity, efficiency. I mean, the other night we, we looked like a very different team and, you know, when that happens, you know, it's, it's usually, you know, us needing each other, you know, and, and playing together, um, you know, that type of unification and communication, you know, that's what makes us a good team. And, you know, ball movement is part of that. Um, and that means, you know, being ready to make the next play when you get the ball and not having it stick because once it sticks, the defense loads up and, and everything's harder. And that, that affects our defense. You know, it's a, it's cyclical in that sense. And, and that's, that's what the game was filled with tonight, you know, and that's why we were ahead. And then they, you know, it's kind of back and forth yin yang where we get a lead and then, you know, we turn it over twice all of a sudden what, you know, could have been a 10 point lead is suddenly a two point game. Um, that seemed to happen consistently throughout the game. Let's see. I mean, you talk about the offense and defense and kind of the other way around. You often talk about how the defense should sort of dictate your offense tonight. It seems like when the guys that stops kind of like stuck in the backcourt and like, you yeah, to get out. So I was saying it, it, you know, we weren't running and spacing, talk about sprint and space. And, you know, as a result, um, you know, we, we, we don't throw the ball ahead and, you know, those are opportunities in transition where we're, you know, we're good or highly effective in the first six seconds of the shot clock. Um, and even if you don't get an early shot, you know, you set a tone for a possession. So, you know, everybody's got to run on every possession that, that requires a commitment to that. Um, you know, and if we don't do that, we're going to see the ball come up the court slowly and we're going to see some of the, you know, the empty possessions that, that we saw tonight. Um, you know, I think, I don't think it's expectations as much as it is kind of all of us collectively understanding, you know, the way that we need to play to win, 
and we do it in spurts. You know, we've done it in a couple games and you feel it start to come and then we, we digress. And, you know, that's just a question of, you know, our, our mindset and, you know, what we value during the course of the game and, you know, what we value collectively and, you know, moving the ball, you know, requires trusting your teammates and, you know, and when we do that, I think we're rewarded. Uh, when we don't, um, we're penalized. Um, so it's, and as I said, it's, you know, defense affects offense, offense affects defense. It's all, you know, there's a connectivity there in this game. Um, you know, some of the most obvious ones are when you turn the ball over and they lay it in on the other end. Um, you know, when we don't run back because of something that happened on offensive base, there's, you know, it requires, you know, a focus every possession throughout the course of the game. And we're, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, I think we know how to do it. Um, just a question of, you know, us committing to, to that. And, you know, we see it as we said, and then we let go of it. We've got to hang on tighter to it and, you know, continue. We, we've, we've established an identity of this team and then we don't look like that team. There's just, that's where the inconsistency lies. And I think, I think we know how we need to play. Just a question of us executing it. Does it help to play the same team tomorrow? Because you say, you know, what went wrong tonight. You can try and fix it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you know, New Orleans, deserves credit for winning the game. You know, they made a couple of plays at the end that put them over the top when it, it looked like we had control of the game. Um, you know, how we come out tomorrow is up to us. It's up to us. I mean, I, I don't think there's, you know, again, you know, we'll watch the film and, you know, if there's things we can adjust to help us, you know, be more efficient. But I think a lot of it's just a level of, commitment and determination um, to play a certain way on both ends of the court. How we come out is up to us. That is going to be a huge question. You're going to see it early on tonight. How are the Utah Jazz going to respond? And that, that to me is Quinn Snyder telling his team, what are you guys going to do? You're going to put up or shut up. Are you guys going to figure things out here? Because it has been uh, frustrating uh, is the term that comes to mind when it comes to watching this Utah Jazz team this season. There is so much that you can see, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. But then they just have these lulls, as he talked about. Uh, you just We turn it on, and then it goes away. We're not playing with the pass. You also heard him talk about the fact that when we play with the pass, we're rewarded. When we don't, we're penalized. There's too much standing around. There's too much one-on-one play with this Utah Jazz team. They, they've relied for many, many years on their three-point shooting. They have not shot extremely well this season. The, the, I'm, not, I'm not as concerned about the three-point shooting. I, I think things come around. They kind of come, uh, come and go on that front, and I'm, I'm expecting the Jazz will uh, get things figured out on that end. But the, the things you can control, your effort level, your intensity, that is stuff – that you can control, and that's what the Utah Jazz aren't doing right now. You, you saw it last night. It seemed like in different points of this game, particularly that about four minutes to go, it felt like in the game, the Jazz were like, okay, this game's over. We're closing the door on these guys. We're going to roll, and we're going to pick up a W. But 
they and by the way, they played for about three minutes there. They played extremely good basketball. Great defensive plays from Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal. I thought Royce was absolutely fantastic. And Brandon Ingram, who is clearly the New Orleans Pelicans' number one option currently with Zion Williamson still out, did great job bottling them up, making big plays on the defensive end, getting big shots from Donovan Mitchell. It felt like it was similar to what we saw at Oklahoma City. He had seven points going into the fourth quarter of that game at Oklahoma City and just down the stretch hits a big bucket after big bucket to seal a win over the Thunder. That was Wednesday night. It felt like when Donovan hit the first three, okay, here we go. Then he comes down. Rudy Gobert sets a very good screen. Donovan Mitchell comes off it, hits a huge three, and the place erupts. And Jeff talked about it earlier as a producer. You're like, this is great. I'm going to use this call. And I then, was like, play the game. Then they go to the Secaucus. They go to the re- replay center, and it's overturned. Rudy Gobert was fouled before the shot. Uh, so be it. Uh, by the way, and there, I saw another person point out, well, if Rudy Gobert can make two free throws down the stretch, they, they, they're tied. Great. If uh, that, That's just what it is. There's a reason why Rudy Gobert is sent to the line late in games, because teams don't believe in his ability to punish them by hitting free throw after free throw. Has Rudy Gobert gotten better at the free throw line? Absolutely he has. But in the clutches of the clutch moments, there are going to be teams who are still going to opt to foul number 27 and send him to the line. I'm going to say something as a response to that, which this person probably has thought about, but what a lot of the players have said, while that may be true, oh, so-and-so goes to the line, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be in that position. Sure. They wouldn't be having yeah. these talks about refs or free throws or whatever mm-hmm. if they took care of business early in the game, which a lot of these losses should have been taken care of a long time ago, and the intensity shouldn't be matched to the other team's intensity. It should be there and the other team should be trying to claw back after we've absolutely pummeled them into the ground. Yeah, playing down to the level of your competition is is is, is the term I think we're seeing a lot from the Utah Jazz. This uh, let's no, make no mistake. This was a four-win New Orleans team. They have been playing without Zion Williamson. They have a new coaching staff. Uh, Willie Green, the former Phoenix Suns assistant, is their new head coach. They're trying to get things established, and that was a big win for them. I'll be very clear. The Utah Jazz are one of the teams that people circle on their calendar. Donovan Mitchell referred to that last night in his postgame comments, and he's right. This was the number one seed in the Western Conference last year. They had a very, very good season. I know it ended in disappointment in the second round of the playoffs. I get all that. But this is still a team that teams like New Orleans get up for. The problem is the Utah Jazz – they don't seem to be getting up for every game. They don't seem to be getting up for any game. It's, at least they don't play like they are for an entire game. That is the concern with this Utah Jazz team right now. They have got to find an answer. They've got to find a way to get themselves motivated. Because you're right, Jeff. This was a game, speaking of this, the Orlando game I can think of. You, just, you look at some of these games that the Jazz have lost recently against lesser op- opposition and it's frustrating. The Grizzlies on Monday night, I know that some people were saying, well, we saw the same fashion the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are a better team than New Orleans. So that one's a little bit accepted here. But losses against the Pacers, think of the Pacers game just recently. These are the games that as a Utah Jazz fan, you expect the Utah Jazz to go out and bury that team with an avalanche in the second and third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, it's uh, time for the reserves to come in and play. Guys like Trent Forrest getting extended minutes. That, that's what you want to see. We're not seeing that much right now from this Utah Jazz team. It, it's, it's frustrating. I get it. And so tonight, as you heard Quinn Snyder say, we'll see how they respond. We'll see how they come out and play. And 
early on in this game, you're, I think you're going to see exactly what the Utah Jazz are going to do. Are they going to just kind of scuffle along once again? Are they going to let themselves allow to be dragged into another dogfight with New Orleans? Or are they going to come out, make a statement, and say, you know what, that was cute what you did yesterday. This game's over right now. Uh, it's going one or two ways, I feel like, tonight in this game against the Pelicans. Pre-game coverage here on The Zone, by the way, starting at 6 o'clock. Jeff, of course, will be behind the glass for that. He's the executive producer, Jake Scott, uh, Tim Lacombe getting you ready, and, of course, David Locke and Ron Boone will be on the call. That game will be on 97.5 FM, while Utah State basketball, the Aggies taking on UT Arlington, will be on 1280 AM. Pre-game coverage in that one starts at 630 on 1280 AM. All right. More in a moment. Uh, get to technical fouls. Coming up a little later on, you're going to hear from uh, uh, Whittingham after Utah's win over Colorado yesterday. We'll also preview the game between BYU and USC. So a whole lot more to come on the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Find service experts today. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on The Zone. As you heard in the open, it is time for technical fouls. And we're going to start off on the soccer front here, Jeff, because I saw some whining about this on social media yesterday because uh, the playoff draw uh, is going to feature a playoff between Portugal and Italy. And if you were to pay attention to either one of these fan bases, you would think that they had just had their hearts ripped out because one of these two teams is not going to the 2022 World Cup. You know what? As we talked about the Utah Jazz, this should have been handled a long time ago. You guys got yourself into this position. It's a draw. There's a reason why there's a draw. Well, and you look at the other teams who are having to play for a playoff place. No offense to them, but Portugal and Italy are like top-tier teams. So, to your point, they should have dealt with this. I mean, Portugal lost at home to Serbia. That's Mm -hmm. why they're in this position. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah, so look at the other semifinal draw. Scotland-Ukraine. Okay, Wales, Austria, meh. Russia, Poland, okay. They got some history on both of those sides. Uh, Sweden, Czech Republic, okay. Italy, North Macedonia, uh, Portugal, Turkey. And by the way, Portugal and Italy, they will theoretically they advance here. They'll face each other in the next round. I'm just waiting to see if one of them drops the first game, and then we're not even having this discussion. And then don't uh. don't count Turkey out, man. That Turkey team when they when they're playing well just the whining that i saw i'm like okay really let's just you know let's 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 get over this and move well along. i i i imagine there are some people who are just like oh it's rigged because two of the best teams are having to play each other in no playoff it's uh, i just there's always going to be someone that says that about something every time and mm-hmm. so i just kind of disregard that completely yeah. that argument yeah, it, so, yeah, I just uh, – technical foul on both fan bases. You, you'd think that they would realize, you know what, we are top 20 in the world. We should, you know, have handled business before getting to this point. But, hey, United States missed out on the World Cup, and that, look at the abject failure that was. Hoping for better this time. They are on their way. Uh, I feel like they figured things out. Don't they're, say it. Don't say it. Don't I, say I'm it. I'm saying it right now. They're going, they're going to Cutter. They're they're gonna play in Cutter. Uh, is it Cutter? Where's it being held this year? Is it Cutter? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cutter in November the, next I, I, year. I refuse to acknowledge the, the 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 moral 
situation with all of that is just whatever we had to completely upend the entire you know paradigm of how the world cup operates to fit this country that actually shouldn't be hosting the world technical foul on all of it fifa technical foul on you yes (laughs) you got it you know what i'm you know where i was going Um, all right we got we got uh one other one here i wanted to talk about uh this comes from golden valley minnesota a federal judge has denied a request by the family of a suspended Minnesota high school football player seeking a temporary injunction that would allow him to take part in Friday's state championship game. So this happened yesterday. The parents of Chatfield High School quarterback Sam Backer had filed a uh, lawsuit against the Minnesota high State High School League, so MSHSL, after Backer was assessed a pair of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties during a semifinal matchup against Barnesville High School in the Class AA semifinals last week. According to the MSHSL rules, the student-athlete was subsequently ejected from the game and automatically suspended from playing in the state football championship this week. Okay. Um, first off, you, you got two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. That is exactly what these rules are in place for. You know the implications of these rules. So for you to try and file a federal <laughs> appeal to get an injunction to allow you to play in this game screams everything that's wrong with the situation. I'm actually very happy that this judge said, ha, that's cute. You're sitting out anyways. Don't do this. Let's just not do this. I, I, I just don't. I don't know. It just reading about that, I'm like, okay, you know the rules. You get two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. There's reason why. There's two. They give you the one. It's, it's, it's like, okay, here's your 15 yards. Cool it. And if you're the quarterback, what are you doing? You just hurt your team. It, yeah, technical foul on that young man and his family for trying to essentially use the law to get themselves into a game that he should not be playing in. I just didn't. <sighs> Good, good times. Let's just let's just put it that way. It gives us content. Let's yeah, just I know. Do that. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's 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 the perfect technical foul out there. So technical foul. Uh, and I'm by the way, props to that federal judge for not being like, yeah, you know what? Go play in that game. He's actually teaching this young man a lesson. He's gonna learn something from this. Oh, absolutely. Because if you've got prima donnas starting yeah. that early that think they can just push over whatever, then mm-hmm. that's how you create the prima donnas that we yep. hate to see in in the big world of sports now. Um, and then one other thing, Nebraska, Scott Frost has not had an easy go in Nebraska. This is not necessarily a technical foul, just something funny. So they finished the 2021 Big Ten Conference play, their 2021 Big Ten Conference play. They went 1-8. and eight. Jeff, uh, you would think, okay, going 1-8, and eight, you probably just got absolutely creamed in terms of your point output versus points allowed. They had a perfectly balanced 239 points against 239 points allowed. They were net zero points. They go one and eight. Talk about a bad beat if you're the Nebraska football program. Well, as they say, there's no moral victories at the end of the day. Yeah. You're one and eight. And so Jeez. unless if, if you use the closeness to build on and improve, that's one thing. But clearly that has not happened. Well, he's got one year to figure it out because they restructured his contract. Speaking of Scott Frost, and he's taken a less salary, et cetera. He's fired uh, his entire offensive coaching staff already. Got a lot of fire under his seat, and he's going to have to figure things out next year. There's no doubt about that. All right, update for you guys. Michigan's still leading 7-3 over Ohio State. They got a big stop on Ohio State. Looked like they were going to score a touchdown, forced him into a field goal, and the snow is coming down down there in Ann Arbor. This is 
Big Ten football, for like, uh, just use that expression. It's kind of funny that you st- this is exactly what you expect when these two teams square off. All right, more in a moment. Uh, you're going to hear from uh, Kyle Whittingham. We'll also catch up with Ryan Abraham, who joined DJ and PK earlier this week, actually yesterday, to talk about the BYU-USC showdown. More on this and more on the Saturday show as we kick off Hour 2 next, right here on the Zone Sports Network.